This is Iron Sports. We're pleased to have the author of Messi vs. Ronaldo, a Wall Street Journal uh, senior editor, Jonathan Clegg, uh, getting ready for the World Cup. Exciting book just comes at the perfect time, considering now you know people sort of maybe in America don't think about soccer for four years, but then the World Cup comes and everybody's in, around bars watching these games. Yeah, I mean um, that's the uh, that's the hope and. Um... Yeah, in what might be the last World Cup for Messi and Ronaldo. Um, yeah, it, it it's be an exciting time. The book, you know, when I read your book, and what's interesting about it is, I mean, I follow tennis a lot, and the fact that Nadal and Federer and Djokovic also were all at the same time, and, it, and it's rare. Like, you never saw Tiger and, and, and Jack play against each other, and, and but maybe in some sports, but I think the fact that these two played in the same country and same teams against each other over a decade, that the rivalry itself enhanced the appeal of each of the players. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, this was um, the first time that we've ever seen um, you know, two all-time greats playing in the world's most popular sport, like right at the same time. Um, we've had like great all-time players in the past, Pele, uh, Maradona, you know, the Dutch uh, uh, forward, Johan Cruyff. Those guys all sort of existed in their own little universes. They almost never faced each other. Um, Messi and Ronaldo were going at it, you know, hammer and tongs for 10 years. Like you say, playing in the same league, um, on either side of one of the fiercest, most bitter um, rivalries in professional soccer between Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, yeah, all, all that stuff was just like fuel to um, the sort of raging inferno that was their rivalry at the uh, late 2000s and early 2010s. Um, I loved in your book, I enjoyed how the discovery, you wrote about how, the, how Renato was discovered. And, you know, he was on an island like 600 miles away in Madero. And I just go a little detail about how both Messi and Ronaldo were founded because, you know, again, they were both very, very small. I mean, they were not these, they were not LeBron, LeBron James imposing figures that people say, oh my gosh, LeBron James. It was, they had to be discovered when they were young and said, boy, they really have all this talent. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, soccer, uh, soccer goes looking for, for promising kids real young, <laughs> like eight, nine-year-old kids are already signed up by like some of the biggest teams in the world um, because, you know, this is uh, a sport where there's no college, there's no draft. You can, you can start playing soccer um, as, soon as, as soon as the club thinks you're ready. So we've had, you know, it's not unusual to see 16-year-olds playing professional soccer. There's even been the occasional 15-year-old who's played. Um, Messi and Ronaldo... You know, so they, they, they were both um, signed young to, to big European teams. Um, but, yes, the, fa the way that they, they got there, um, Ronaldo was uh, sort of emerging as a star, like you say, on the island of Madeira uh, in the sort of middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, but a, uh, a, a scout from the uh, Portuguese club Sporting Lisbon um, uh, had sort of created this network of amateur scouts all over the country who would pass on tips to him. He heard he got word of Ronaldo, brought him over, and um, you know within seconds of watching him play on the field, he knew um, he knew that he had something special that he uh, that he he had a chance to make it. Uh, and Messi was the same. Messi's talent was no secret. Uh, in Argentina, they knew that he was a phenomenon. Uh, the question was whether he would ever grow sufficiently to sort of fulfill his promise. Uh, he he had a, a hormone deficiency that that uh, stunted his growth when he was a kid. Had to get uh, hormone injections. Um, and it was actually that, 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 that trying to find a way to pay for those injections that ultimately led his dad, who then became his agent, 
um, to take him you know, thousands of miles across the sea to Spain and to sign for Barcelona as a 14-year-old. Um, and once he got into the Barcelona Youth Academy, uh, the sort of legend of Messi started to grow as he himself grew physically too. Yeah, and the one thing I had Merle Code on, uh, a former executive of, of Adidas and, and Nike, and we talked about the whole shoe industry. And, and if you go through American sports, in terms of the fact that Michael Jordan, we follow these players that become these superstars, and it's really the shoe companies. And it's the same thing in soccer in many ways because of what Nike was able to sign, Ronaldo and Adidas signed Messi, uh, and, and how that worked and how both companies propelled them and, and with the advertising and just the, those times and, and made them, and not just in America but around the world, uh, super famous. Yeah, I mean, Messi and Ronaldo are like – among the most famous people ever to walk planet Earth, it is absolutely insane how popular they are, um, how famous they are around the world. Like on a level, you know, on par with, you know, the U.S. president or the Pope, um, you know, just in terms of like their social media followings, the numbers are completely staggering. I, I think Ronaldo has uh, something like 400 million Instagram followers. That's like four times as many as LeBron James, the, the most popular U.S. athlete on social media. I think we worked out that they have more followers on Instagram than every single NFL player combined. So <laughs> that, 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 that just tells you like how wildly famous these guys are. They are global icons, you know, the likes of which we've rarely seen before. And, um, and yeah, a lot of that is to do with, with Nike and Adidas. One of the crazy things, that were, one of the crazy stories from our book is, is that actually Nike had both of them signed when they were teenagers. Uh, they had both, uh, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo signed to um, a, a shoe sponsor sponsorship deal only like a decade after Nike had sort of really started taking soccer seriously. They landed like two of the all-time greats at the same time. But they ultimately let, let Messi leave and sign with Adidas because they weren't convinced he was going to make it. He did not look like an athlete in the way that Nike was used to seeing them. You say, you know, like Nike, we think of Michael Jordan, we think of Tiger Woods. Um, Ronaldo obviously like looked it looked what what they expected an athlete to look like. Ronaldo is a physical colossus, like muscles rippling all over the place. Uh, Messi looked like you know some twelve year old had turned up playing for an adult team with a shirt billowing around him. Um, he kind of didn't really treat himself like an athlete at all back then. He used to basically eat pizza and Pepsi for every meal and nothing else. Um, and they uh, and, and he was very shy, almost almost never spoke. Uh, so. They were like, eh, maybe, maybe this guy is not going to be the, the great pitchman that we need. Um, let him sign for Adidas. And then that became another kind of dimension to their rivalry. I liked how Ronaldo was initially signed by Manchester United and went over into England. And then the, you talked in the book about his, the fight, the famous fights he had with Wayne Rooney on the team in terms of the star of the team and, and those things about, about sort of it. But he actually, I thought it was, it, that story, the story in your book was pretty cool about Rooney, about how, what they were playing against each other in international in the world, world cup. And they had a fight. It was sort of a fight where he said he wanted Rooney thrown out of the game, but, uh, but that uh, they were able to, you know, rough over those, you know, solve those rough edges and, and become friends or at least work well together on a team. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, Wayne Rooney, you know, also a, a fantastic player, but um, but one who never quite, uh, you know, reached the kind of rarefied air of Messi and Ronaldo. But that's right. They were back, um, both playing for Manchester United back in the sort of mid-2000s. Uh, and, um, yeah, the famous uh, confrontation in the uh, World Cup when England played Portugal in the quarterfinals in, in Germany, 
Uh, Ronaldo uh, helps get Rooney sent off, thrown out of the game, and then famously winked at the Portugal bench uh, as if to say, like, yeah, I did it. I got him, I got him, uh, got him thrown out, got him ejected. We're going to go on and win this thing. Ronaldo then scored the winning penalty, became public enemy number one in the UK. It, honestly, there were doubts about whether he could ever, ever go back to play for Manchester United because he was so loathed by every uh, football fan in the UK for getting England dumped out of the cup. But he went back there. And, um, and it was that following year, really, when he kind of um, leveled up. Um, we sort of recreate in our, in our, um, in our book the, the, the beginning of the 2007-8 season when Ronaldo, uh, he got sent off this time, uh, spent a month on the sidelines for various reasons. There was an international break and he wasn't playing for Manchester United for a month. Spent that time just on the training field every day, scoring goals from every possible angle. They estimate that he scored 5,000 goals uh, in training over that, uh, that four-week period. And when he came back to the field, he was a totally different player, uh, absolute goal machine um, who turned himself, um, you know, from then on into probably the finest, like, outright score of goals that the world has ever seen. So we sit in America, we have Duke Carolina, and we have the Yankees versus the Red Sox and all the rivalries, everybody, Auburn, Alabama. But in Spain, the battle between Real Madrid and Barcelona from your book, I mean, it is heated as it can go. And, and these are two clubs that just dominate the entire sport of soccer in Spain. And, and talk a little bit about both of them and then how, how Messi was always at Barcelona, but then Real Madrid got Ronaldo to compete with, with Messi at Barcelona. Yeah, so, I mean, as with... Um most rivalries in soccer. Uh, this is like partly about what happens on the field, but mostly about like a whole bunch of other sort of political, cultural, economic, uh, you know, stuff that sort of hangs over the rivalry. So Barcelona um, is the capital of Catalonia in Spain, a kind of fiercely separatist region of Spain that absolutely despises Madrid. Madrid, they see as the kind of symbol of the empire. Real Madrid famously was the favorite team of Francisco Franco, the Spanish dictator who ruled over the country um, for uh, the best part of 50 years and um, ruthlessly stamped out uh, sort of Catalan and Basque, um, you know, national identity. He wanted all Spain to be the same. So that like obviously created um, a lot of ill will in Barcelona and they sort of channel all that frustration and anger and hatred into the Barcelona Real Madrid rivalry so it's like the the uh the jedi and the empire they they, they are absolutely determined to be at war with each other all the time and um so onto that already kind of ferocious rivalry the they the messi and ronaldo their rivalry kind of piggybacks on it and then sort of almost like uh came to sort of embody that whole rivalry ronaldo became sort of the embodiment of real madrid especially as real madrid you know, is seen as the sort of, um, like I say, like the, 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 the team of, uh, they, 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 they have the biggest stars, they have their attitude is, you know we're the best, we know we're the best, and there's nothing you can do to stop us. That exactly jived with Ronaldo's own kind of uh, huge ego and the way that he sort of struts around the field like a peacock. It, it, everything about Ronaldo and Real Madrid work together. And Messi, in the same way, uh, his sort of characteristics um, the sort of Messi is the kind of genius, the natural, the artist on the football field. All that sort of really doubles with how Barcelona views itself as well. 
And so, um, yeah, so those matches when they played, it's called the Classico. Whenever Real Madrid and Barcelona play each other, they are insane games. Very few players have managed to play for both Barcelona and Real Madrid. The last one who did, a guy called Luis Figo, um, he moved from Barcelona to Real Madrid. The first time he went back to Real Madrid, the fans spent the entire game whistling uh, so loudly that it was also almost impossible to hear, hear. They threw a pig's head onto the field to show how much they hated him. Uh, so this is like bananas, the rivalry. Um, and, and all that just like really, um, like I say, like fueled the Messi-Ronaldo rivalry and, um, and helped to propel them to a level of global fame that, um, that we'd not seen before. And then I like your book. I mean, you're a Wall Street Journal article so, writer, so you certainly talk about the business side of sports. But the fact that both Real Madrid and Barcelona, which are clubs, it's weird how you set up. It's probably too difficult to, in this, to understand the financial, how it's, they're set up. But the fact is that they, they saw what Manchester United had done in terms of becoming popular. Like, we need to increase our marketing. We need to increase everything else. We can't just rely on ticket sales and concession stands. And sort of like, you know, took the same model of like the Dallas Cowboys of the NFL in terms of branding, in terms of the global media, in terms of uh, TV revenue. And that's why they became these behemoths, both of these Real Madrid and Barcelona. And the fact that they were in the same country and competing against each other with the two biggest stars, that just added more fuel to the fire. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but even when Ronaldo signed with Real Madrid in, in 2009, um, Spanish football was still kind of a business backwater by comparison with the Premier League. The Premier League, the England's top uh, soccer league, that had formed in 1992 as a breakaway of the, the top 20 clubs. They decided they wanted everything to be much more professional, much more like the NFL, actually. They took, uh, they took their cues de- deliberately from the NFL to try and make their um, league, uh, you know, to try and commercialize the league. Um, the Premier League then took off, became far and away the richest league around the world. Spanish football was left behind pretty much. It was just Real Madrid, Barcelona, and then, you know, everyone else. Um, when, Real, when Real Madrid got Ronaldo uh, and Messi was at Barcelona, yeah, they, they quickly upped their game, um, commercialized very quickly, became the, uh, overtook Manchester United to become the richest clubs in the world. But they were doing it like all on the fly, all very quickly, kind of piecing things together as, as much as they could, which is why when Ronaldo and Messi left Spanish football when Ronaldo left uh, Real Madrid to join uh, Juventus in Italy in 2019. Messi famously left Barcelona um, before last season to join Paris Saint-Germain in France. Um, Neither club was really built to sort of withstand their departures. Um, They both had huge black holes in their finances. When Messi left Barcelona, Barcelona was more than a billion dollars in debt because they had been mortgaging their futures to pay for the present while Messi and Ronaldo there to try and extract every sale of last win they could get from their, um, their eras to pick up every possible trophy they could manage while they had these two shooting stars uh, on their team. And then by the time they left, you know, Spanish football um, wasn't really prepared for it. Like I say, both clubs um, had, you know, sizable holes in their, um, in their accounts. And Barcelona is still kind of struggling to transition to the post-Messi era, even now. And they only play, I was surprised this, that now when Bird and Magic played in the NBA, it's not like they played all the time also, but they only played two to four times a year. And they've only played, I think, 30, during that time between 2018, they played 30 times and 34 in their total 
total time they actually actually played against each other. And he wrote in the book how people tried to put these, you know, pay-per-view matches where each one picked their own sides. You would think that these two big names, you would have got some maybe more more matches, more of these pay-per-view matches between the two two of them. That's right. Yeah. I mean, like like you said, with, with Rafa and Roger and Djokovic, you know, they play like dozens of times a year. Um, uh, even in even in like the uh, NBA playoffs, like you say, Steph and LeBron might play, you know, yeah, like a, a dozen times a season if they have a, a playoff series against each other. Um, yeah, over the whole course of their careers, they've only met just just over thirty times, which is um, kind of incredible. Uh, and yeah, in in the uh, in in twenty sixteen, a, a group of businessmen decided that this, that the world needed more Messi Ronaldo, um, <laughs> tried to set up a, an All Star game. Uh, 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 Ronaldo FC against Team Messi. They'd be the captains. They'd pick the uh, pick the All Stars. Nike would would uh, you know kit out the uh, Ronaldo team. Adidas would supply Messi jerseys. Um, and yeah, it would operate sort of much like the NBA All Star game does now. But uh, that that never quite happened. Um, Florentino Perez, the Real Madrid uh, owner, decided that he wanted you know, 20 million bucks for every single one of his players that was going to be allowed to play in this game. That quickly kind of put an end to it. But, um, but yes, uh, the, the football world kind of during their, their period of greatness was, was sort of desperately trying to find more ways to get Messi and Ronaldo to play against each other. Um, you know, Spanish football kind of uh, tweaked some of its tournaments to sort of enable uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid to meet more readily. Um, but you know, it's, 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 um, it's tough. Every team plays each other just twice in the league every season. Um, so, you know, matches between them were rare, which is why, you know, I think the sort of absolute peak of the Messi Ronaldo era was when, um, in 2012, when uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid played each other four times in 18 days, uh, at the sort of end of that season, uh, with kind of all the marbles to play for. They, they played in the, in the Spanish league, they played in the Spanish cup. And they played twice in the Champions League. That sort of period of 18 days was just like 18 days of nonstop hysteria in Spain, like <laughs> a, a, a Super Bowl every single night for 18 days straight. And um, and yeah, it was was kind of one of the one of the craziest periods in in modern soccer history. Well, one of my friends, when I told him about this book, he goes, uh, he goes, oh, only read it if if the if the authors pick the right person as the better player and of course you don't do that in the book but but in, in you go over a lot of things but and you go over the debates between you know who's better i mean it's like saying you know again it, it, it was the same debates in all different sports on you know where it's what you know that are playing you know tiger jack and lebron and michael and those things but there's never it's not an answer but uh in your opinion like where 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 is the consensus around in terms of between messi and ronaldo who is the uh better player per se so I think, you know, um, I think that the consensus among, um, I think, most fans is that Messi sort of just edges it. But one of the really interesting things is that among players, I think they they sort of idolize and respect Ronaldo more. Um, part of this, part of the reason that I think the debate about them is so kind of fierce and like I, I really honestly... This debate is waged every day on social media. It's like, you know, if you go to the comments for any YouTube, uh, any soccer video on YouTube, and, uh, invariably it ends up with someone debating Messi or Ronaldo. Um, and I think the reason for that um, is that it kind of, the, which way you choose kind of depends on how you 
view the world, right? It's like your own sort of personal philosophy. Messi, as I said, it sort of symbolizes um, natural genius. It's like he was born to play soccer. And the moment he stepped on the field, um, it was like magic happened. He was sort of like Mozart, you know, like put him in front of a, a piano and, and he could already um, make, um, you know, make, make magnificent compositions. Ronaldo is sort of like the ultimate grafter, the striver, a person who has spent so long in the gym and eating right and in ice baths at 3 a.m. every single day to turn himself into like the absolute physical specimen, the best physical specimen that he could possibly become. And I think when you put it like that, the natural against the, the grafter, the striver, which one of those you sort of naturally identify with, which one you kind of respect and admire more, kind of explains why the Messi-Ronaldo debate is kind of unanswerable because some people are drawn to the natural. Some people feel like the natural kind of has it too easy and they're drawn to the person who has to put, every, you know, has tried so hard and worked so hard for everything they achieve and that there's something more laudable or, or respectable in that. Um, so I think that's why the debate will, will, will never, ever be settled. Now we're getting, we're talking to uh, Jonathan Clegg, Wall Street Journal writer, and, and I guess the final quote about his book, Messi vs. Ronaldo, it's available right now, perfect time, great read uh, for anybody, even if you're not that interested in soccer, it's exciting to read about this book, and from even the business side of soccer. But the World Cup's coming up in a few weeks. Um, neither has uh, Messi's. They never. Neither one has won the World Cup. Messi was in the one. Was in one final. Ronaldo's never been a final. I was surprised that they were each. I think in four, and, and their and their records were, were were pretty not you know mixed in terms of their performance in the World Cup. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing in, in what should be perhaps the final World Cup for both of them? What if they you know met you know in the final or something? It would be the biggest watch sports event of all time, I assume. Oh yeah, I mean, amazingly. <laughs> The, the, the World Cup draw, the bracket, has already been drawn. And, yeah, that, it is possible that Argentina and Portugal, Messi and Ronaldo, would meet in the World Cup final. It would be by far the craziest, wildest, most insane World Cup final ever if the Messi-Ronaldo rivalry ended up playing out in the final. Um, yeah, I mean, the World Cup has not been a happy um, hunting ground for Messi or Ronaldo. Um, I think, you know, one thing you need to remember with Ronaldo is he's from uh, Portugal, uh, which, you know, Portugal is a, a, uh, a good uh, football soccer nation, but um, not one that had much um, success before Ronaldo's uh, arrival. Um, they had had great players. Um, they had a brief spell of kind of success in the 1960s and then a really strong uh, generation of players in the 1990s. But their record um, since Ronaldo started playing for Portugal is way better in the sort of uh, tw 20 years since he started playing for Portugal than it was in the 80 years before he, he arrived. So Ronaldo has transformed Portugal's fortunes and, and, and he won, you know, he won a, a trophy with Portugal in 2016, the Euro cup, which, um, you know, is the sort of second to the world cup in, in international honors. So he has had success with Portugal, but not never at the world cup. And, and in truth, it's hard to see Portugal going all the way this time. Um, Messi, by contrast, comes from Argentina, which is, you know, soccer royalty has won the World Cup uh, many times. Uh, and his sort of predecessor as the Argentinian uh, goat, Diego Maradona, um, famously won the World Cup almost single-handed in 1986 uh, to become, you know, sort of folk hero in Argentina. So, um, yeah, Messi... Um, 
Messi has a chance this time, though, to kind of avenge that loss in 2014 and kind of pick up the one remaining trophy that he's never managed to win because Argentina are heading into this World Cup on an absolute tear. I think they're undefeated in 35 games. Uh, They won the Copa America, the the South American um, soccer tournament in 2021. So, yeah, so they are are one of the, the strong contenders. And Messi himself, after a kind of miserable year last year in Paris when he kind of seemed to be totally... Um, at a loss after unexpectedly leaving Barcelona, uh, joining Paris Saint-Germain, kind of sleptwalked through that entire season, seemingly sort of still processing his departure from Barcelona, not kind of really able to figure out what was going on or where he was or what he was doing. Um, he's now started this season on fire, looking like his old self. So Argentina, yeah, strong contenders to, to, uh, to, to win the trophy in Qatar. Well, I'm excited with the World Cup. I think it's going to be great. I mean, I wish it was in the summer and not against football. You know, American football, it's hard. But uh, it's certainly the, the excitement of, of uh, this great uh, player, Messi, and his final World Cup and Ronaldo and his final World Cup, possibly. Uh, it'll be exciting to, to watch that. So, Jonathan, thanks so much for coming on Iron Sports. And your book, Messi vs. Ronaldo, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you can get a book. I, I highly recommend it to everybody. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it.